We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Probably marked up, remarked, highlighted, and then another color. I feel something very special from this tonight. It it will challenge us, so I want us to just be ready. But it'll also pat us on the back. So everywhere you're at in your walk, that's how it'll work. Philippians 3 and 13. Brethren, remember this is Paul writing to the Philippian people, Church of Philippi. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind. Oh, wow. We could just stop and preach right there. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to talk about one word in that reading. And we're going to read a couple more verses in just a few moments. But I want you to know this word exactly what it means in this setting. I want to talk about this word, second word in verse 14, press. Press. When Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he uses this word press. And he says, I press toward the mark. The word press, it's first and by one definition only. We use a lot of books to define words and we don't ever want to just trust just one book. We want to do our fair research. But the one definition that comes out no matter where you look at this and it is the only definition given in the, in the most well-revered book for defining the old language words, the word press means... A continued pursuit. A continued pursuit. And I want to preach to you tonight just this one word with a big old exclamation point. Press. Press. I'll read those other couple of verses when we're done. We're going to pray right now and ask the Lord to have his way. Lord, we love you. We're nothing without you. I can't even draw my next breath to say my next sentence without you. So all of this belongs to you. This is your house. We're your people. This is your desk. These are your voices. We're your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. Ask you to feed us tonight, Lord. Touch us. Bless us. Let us hear. Let us understand. Let us respond to what your spirit would say to us collectively and as individuals. We thank you for a fresh anointing that we feel in this place. You are so very present. We just say thank you. Touch us and bless us. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor for a great anointing. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and love him. That's well in order. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness on Wednesday evening. Verse number 17, if you skipped 
15, 16, jumped up to 17 in that same passage. The Apostle Paul writes this, Brethren, be followers together of me. Get together and follow me. And mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Did you get that? For many walk, this is a terrible verse right here, so sad. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He said, there was a time I told you about people that was like us, that walked with us in the same journey and locked arm in arm and hand in hand with us. There was a time I told you about those people and they were tremendous people. But now I tell you weeping, they are our enemies. Why is it that we feel strange sometimes when people walk away from the Lord? That's not a feeling we bring. The Lord said you're either for me or against me. You're either fighting on my team or trying to kill my team. That's not a choice you get to make. It's not a choice I get to make. That's a choice only those that are pressing can make. And that's just to press. That's to go whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly or satisfying their flesh and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. He went on to explain why they're no longer walking with us. They started tending to their own physical needs and put it first place in their life. And because of that, they became an enemy of the cross. Well, that's deep right there. That's deep. And so I want to just preach for a little while, just press. And I may say some more things. I may use some terms, some something. I just had that word to just be square and transparent about it. I didn't have a title. I knew we need to put something up there, so press is what we're going to do tonight. <laughs> no telling what we may say before it's over, but press. That's, that's, the, that's the key to this thought tonight. I want us to understand that God did not call us to start the race. He called us to finish the race. Amen? And if you're called to finish something, you don't have to have a starting call. Because finishing it, it goes without saying, if you're going to finish, you got to start. But when you get a starting call, that's not the finish call. Isn't that interesting how that works? You can start without finishing, but you can't finish without starting. If this church was full of all the people just in the last 12 years come this Easter that I've been here as a pastor of this church was filled with the people that started. And as far as we know, they're not pressing. I'm not judging anybody, not prejudging anybody, but as far as we know, they're not pressing towards the mark. We would have to have four services every Sunday to accommodate the starters. Oh. Now we're just going to talk here for a little bit. When, when you travel, uh, Missy and I, we, I've told the story so I won't go into all of it, but we, we like to picnic when we travel alone. And uh, we stop and on the tailgate or some little concrete picnic table and we'll wipe the bird droppings off of it and roll out some napkins and make us a tablecloth. That's how we do it. 
It's for real. And so we, we sit there and we make a sandwich and we open up a can of Frito-Lay hot cheddar dip and put them nacho chips down in there. Boy, I mean, and we eat like kings, you know. Deli sliced turkey and good soft Wonder Bread, if you can find it. Some of y'all don't even know what Wonder Bread is. And uh, uh, anyway, forgive me, Lord. And so... There's a certain place we stop. We used to stop a certain place going to Tennessee when we started whitewater rafting in Colorado when we can. And we've been snow skiing, tried to go every year all of our lives. The Lord's blessed us to be able to do that. And there's a certain place in a certain area that we like to stop heading into New Mexico. And, and we have even waited till we got there before, just depending on how hungry we are. And we've had that picnic going down the road where she climbed in the back seat and opened up the ice chest and made sandwiches and, and we ate. But we, that's something that we do. But when you get out there in, in just say central New Mexico, because southern New Mexico, you're going to see some hills, not big mountains, but you're going to start seeing some mountains, the Sandy Cristo Mountains and, and the San Juan Valley and, and those mountains. You're going to start seeing as you start approaching Colorado and you see them at, at a distance and they can even look like clouds to you. But how terrible would it be? To have our skis and our boots packed up. Have our good warm clothes. My wife's boots are heated. She's a brat. Spoiled. She just lowered her head. She knows, she knows what brat means. It means I love her to death. And, and, and she knows that's code word. Look, she's looking down. Her, her, her boots are heated. And, uh, well, I won't say anything else about her gear, but it's better than mine. We we'll just put it like that. But wouldn't it be a shame to have, uh, after 30 years, you know, we used to rent boots and come back home with our feet itching, you know. <laughs> so we got out of that and finally uh, bought boots here and there at the time. And, and got, wouldn't it be a shame to save up and pack up and go out there and get to that rest area and eat that ham sandwich and just say, you know what? Or turkey, this is good. Let's just stay right here. There's too many people that start the journey that decide they're going to rest. You know what happens when you rest? You run into other people that are resting. Oh. And then all of a sudden you got a group of resters instead of pressers and none of them are going to make it to the mountaintop. Well, let me just be real careful right here and teach you a little bit. Living this spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-filled, holy lifestyle, it takes some training. It's, it, you can't just blow in and just, and, and just go and everything falls in place. and it, 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 It's never happened for anybody and it's not going to happen for you. Jesus is not going to pay your light bill. He's not going to get you out of bed every morning Take you, I mean, some things are your responsibility. He gave you the ability, and now you got to respond to that, and that's responsibility. And so training is it's a great amount of training goes in to any athletic activity. It wouldn't matter what you're doing, boxing, running, swimming, uh, skiing, whatever it is. You, you've got to have some training. And, and too many times we feel the goodness of the Lord at an altar and in the baptistry and in our prayer meetings and our personal private time with the Lord. And all of a sudden we feel like 
muscle. We don't ever stretch. We don't ever train. We, we don't ever push ourselves to be better and go further and climb higher. And we think, well, I'm right here where I'm supposed to be. I'm in this groove. The, the groove you're in is you feel saved and you're lost enough that the devil's just letting you run. So you don't feel a whole lot from the Lord because you think you've got it and you don't feel a whole lot from the enemy because he knows you're lost. That's resting when you ought to be pressing. Amen. But it takes work. It takes training. This life takes commitment. Hear me, hear me, saints of God. This takes commitment. It takes commitment for friendships and it takes commitment on the job. It takes commitment in a marriage. It, take, it takes commitment to live for God. He, he's not into here and there a little and tip him, tell him you love him and, and all is well and he's got a crown waiting on you. It don't work like that. We're gonna have to press that's a continual trying to get better. And this is what Paul said. I don't consider myself to have apprehended. I don't think I've got this thing locked up. I just want y'all to know that. So instead of me just sitting back and relaxing, you know, I have started churches all over the then known world and I've written half the New Testament Bible that will become the word of God forever settled in heaven and I've got an experience like nobody knows and I'm the greatest missionary that'll ever walk the planet Earth. But I want you to know something. I hadn't made it yet. I've got to keep trying to write more, speak more, pray more. Come on. I had a phone call today from one of the people I would say probably within the last three years or so started worshiping with us. And that person was so broken, just so just, just, I wept trying to talk to them on the phone. I, I wept. I lost my composure trying to give them a good word. Now, the spirit moved, and there's a lot of reasons I'm certain that I began to weep with this person. And, but, but here's what happened. They began to tell me how their family members used to live for God and how things used to be good. And now they're all alone, and they don't know what to do. And I began to speak to this person I said let me just tell you what you've got to do you have got to take care of you if she never goes back to church if he never goes back to church if they decide they're not going to go any further you have got to put one foot in front of the other and keep pressing on to the mark of the high calling you've got to be in a continual pursuit let me tell some of y'all that haven't been in the church a long time. Let me just tell you, when you start feeling a little cold and you start thinking, do I want to go to church tonight? Do I feel? You got to know right then that hell is trying to steal your press. He's trying to steal your pursuit and your continual. That's the time when you stand up and you say, devil, not on your life will I ever fall under the pressures of the press. Let me tell you what commitment means. Commitment means you'll get up again. Well, I was hurt at church. I was too. 
And somebody didn't do me right at church. Somebody didn't give me good advice at church. Somebody didn't call me when I missed two Sundays. And so, let me get this right. Well, bless them, Lord. What do people that get hurt at church do? They press. What do people that have family issues do? They press. What people get fired from their job do? They press. What people that come to church and they give it all they got and they can honestly walk to the front and say, Pastor, I gave it everything I had tonight and I didn't feel anything. I think my time here is up. What do you do? You press. Because I'm going to tell you something. You'll never get in a car and drive to a church a million miles away and get away from you. You, if you don't feel him... It's not my fault. It's not her fault. I know it ain't right to point, so I'll make sure that they're all pointed back at me. We got, we got a press, folks. We can't be offended. We ain't offended. This is your soul, and I don't even know anybody offended. I'm, I'm just preaching. I'm feeling good right now. I feel like we're in a place of unity, a place of growth. All is well. I feel good. The sun's shining on Life Point Church. But there are people and there are individuals that need to understand that if you quit right here, you'll never make it to the mountain. You'll never make it to your destination that was promised to you. I just wish some people had to press through some times to just stand up and be a witness to this message and say, I've had to press through some things in my life. It takes commitment. Commitment to keep you going when your legs hurt. To the runner, commitment to keep you going when your feet hurt. To the sister, sister, uh, 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 I just called your name all ago, and I do know who you are. It's Denise. <laughs> I almost called you Sister Keith. Uh, tell me something. What'd you run? A 5K, a 10K? A, what'd you run? Both? 10K? Did your feet ever hurt? Did your legs ever hurt? Did your back ever hurt? Did your head ever hurt? Did your mind ever hurt? Did you finish? Why? When all that hurt was going on, why did you keep running? Trying to cross the line. I want to tell you something. Folks, you're not going to run a 10K without some pain. You're not going to run without hurting. You're not going to run without stretching. You're not going to run without feeling some things you've never felt. And I can tell you this, if you ever decide to run a full marathon, it's going to be worse than that. But if you want to finish that 26-1 or whatever it is, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go. You're going to go. Have, have anybody, has anybody ever, in it 26-1? Do you see them stickers? 26-2. You see, see them stickers? I don't know nothing about it. I'm not a runner. But have you seen those stickers on the back of cars? I used to wonder what that meant. Brother Chris, I didn't know what that meant. I said, what? 26-2, I mean, what is this? Is this some new internet channel or something? I mean, what, what's 26-2? And I find out that's people that have finished a marathon and that's their proud sticker that says, I finished the race. 
You know why they could do that? Because they were willing to endure the pain and the transgressions that were against them and everybody there out of the 100,000 that ran the marathon, nobody was pulling for you but your family. Everybody else hoped you would fall because they said you would. Oh, let me just quit mailing now. When you get committed to something, you got to finish it. You, you got to finish. We, we've got to finish. I heard this this story about this man and, and this woman. They they'd been married a good many years, thirty plus, and they were they were they were grown. They were older, and uh, married a little late in life. And it's a pretty unique story. He started to have some health issues and started to have weakness, and, and a lot of things are going on in his body, and they. He and his wife went to the doctor and the doctor met with them and then said, hey, I, I want your wife to step out of the room. I want to talk to you for a little bit about some of your concerns. It's your age and the things you're dealing with. I want to talk to you alone. And they talked about some of his, his situations and, and he said, would you mind if I talk to your wife? And he said, well, no, that'd be fine. And he, he talked to her and, and they, they, they figured it all out and, and talked about it. And, and he said, ma'am, I don't know how to put this to you, but your husband has a very serious condition. And you're in, you're in the books to know what, you know, what's going on. And, and he's got a very serious condition. And it's probably going to be something that really y'all need to talk about in the privacy of your home. And I'll, I'll, I'll share the medical terms, but this is something y'all are going to have to do. And she said, he said, you are going to be the most vital part of his healing. He can recover from this. He don't have to die like this. But you're going to have to do something. And she said, what? And he said, hear me close. He said, the first thing I want you to do is starting tomorrow, I want you to cook him three meals every day. Whether he eats them or not. She said, okay. She said, and then, then I need you to do something else. And he said, what's that? said, you're going to have to be extra kind to him because with his condition, he can say something and ever how you respond may determine your entire future. No matter what he does or says, you just got to be kind. She said, okay. And then he said, last but not least, two or three times a week, you need to hold that man close. Remind him and show him that he is all you need in this world because a lot of what he's dealing with is in his mind. And no less than three times a week you draw him close and you love that man. She said, okay. That's commitment. They got out to the car and they were talking about it. And She said, hon, what did the doctor tell you? And he told her all, all that and Got a little further down the road and said, well, what did he tell you? She said, honey, you're going to die. <laughs> Hook, line, and say, hey, but that's how some of our commitments are. 
Lord, as long as I don't have to be intimate with you and let you know you're all I need, we're going to be all right. As long as I don't have to cook for you three times a day, we're going to be all right. As long as I don't have to stroke your ego and worship you and praise you every now and then at church, we're going to be all right. No, let me tell you something, friend. It's greater than that. That's a commitment that's only bound to what she was willing to do for him. It wasn't a commitment bound to marriage until death do us part. We are married to the Lord Jesus Christ until our death. We got to press. If we need to do more, do more. If we need to spend more time, spend more time. If we need to worship more, worship more. If we need to cook some good meal, somebody hear me right now. Something that God We can't look at God and say, hey, if you want all that commitment out of me, our relationship's just gonna die. Folks, he's already done everything to make sure we can make it. Ooh, you're gonna die. 2 Timothy 2 and 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Here's what he's saying. There's no shortcuts to win the prize. When, when the track goes down the road, you can't cut through the park. Let me tell you about living for God. Let me tell you about holiness and righteousness and purity and separation from this world of filth that we live in. We're not going to be able to take every little detour we want to be a part of and include it in our little Christian walk with God because we're going to end up dying in the shortcut. We're going to end up dying in the rest area. We're going to end up dying with other resters. I got to make my mind up. I am a one God. Come on, somebody hear me right now. I don't have any questions about my Savior's deity. I don't have to wonder who he is and where he came from and if he's real. How do I know he's real? Because he leads me and guides me every day. I feel his glory. He talks with me. He walks with me. He tells me I am his own. What did he say? He said, you're not gonna win cheating. Folks, you can't go to heaven and cheat the Lord. That's dumb. It's dumb thinking. You can't cheat him out of your time. Can't cheat him out of your love. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It ain't my notes, but it hits me. You can't cheat him out of his tenth. I'm looking from wall to wall. You can't cheat him out of your prayer time. You can't cheat him out of your fast. You can't cheat him out of your study time. You can't cheat him out of your reading time. You can't cheat him. You can't cut a corner and earn a crown. Well, but it's going to take too long. Well, then you got to train harder. You got to pray longer. You got to stretch more. You know, I see it all the time. It happens in, in marriages. And there's a few marriages in here that are, that are still real young. I, I see the guy, man, it's, it's usually him because, you know, the guys are always chasing the girls. It's just rarely, uh, it's the opposite way around. And, boy, oh, oh. I mean, he's brushing his teeth several extra times a day. I mean, he answers the phone like this. Oh, I'll call you back. Can I call you back? I'll call you back if you want. Okay, yeah, I'm brushing my teeth. Well, can anybody in here named Susie? Yeah, we ain't Sally's in here. Okay. 
Because me and Sally's going out. I'm going to brush my teeth real good. If I have hair, I'm going to comb my hair. If I don't, I'm going to polish my head. That's right. I'm going to settle it. I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to look as good as I can. I'm going to do as good as I can. I'm going to be groomed. I saw, I saw a commercial one time on television. And it reminded me of some people. And I've never forgotten it. She walks in the room. Y'all forgive me if you don't believe in it. It's okay. I still love you. I'm like Reagan to Mondale. <laughs> you know, don't hold my age against me. Oh, did you even get that? Okay. All right, just making sure I didn't miss the whole thing. But uh, said she walked in and he's sitting there in his T-shirt. He'd been scratching his chest and then pulled it down, got it stretched to about right here. And uh, sitting at this fine dining place and he said, oh, you look beautiful. And she said, and you look comfortable. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We're in a marriage. We're betrothed. Ooh. After you get in that relationship, you ought to want to look better than you did because you're only getting older and uglier, so you ought to work harder. Men and women, let me just remind you, we're human beings, and guess what? Gravity takes hold, and what used to be up here will be hanging here before you know it. Come on. So what you better do is do more after the wedding than you ever done before the wedding. Get you a good bath. Clean your fingernails and toenails. Put on some nice smelling deodorant. Put an iron shirt and a suit coat on and invite her out and quit looking like a lazy rascal. That is not commitment to a marriage. That was commitment to the moment and commitment to the prize. Don't make me start preaching about marriage. One of these days, I'm going to do it. I can. Somebody hear me. Take care of yourself. For the love of marriage and the sake of all things holy. Just because you get the ring, don't stop caring. I still get on the scales after 30 years. I don't want to allow myself to get over 180 pounds. I was 181 this morning. I went, ooh. And my sweet wife says, baby, I like you better with a little meat on you. And I'm like, yeah, and you're almost lying too. <laughs> Come on. I didn't marry her almost 30 years ago to turn into a slob and quit trying to win her heart. I still want her to walk in the house and desire some sugars. We may end up snuggling. Somebody hear me right now as I preach in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. If you want to have a relationship with God, you continue to be your best, look your best, act your best, talk your best, walk your best, worship your best, pray your best, respond to, oh, I feel like shouting right now. Be the best you can be if you want to stay that way. Come on, I wish all the married folk could stand up right now and just praise the Lord with me. Come on, be the best you can be.
it don't mean he or she won't love you. We understand when you have children, you're gonna battle that for a little while. We get that, we respect that, but it's never an excuse to quit. Missy, am I okay still? You feel like everybody's still behind me? <laughs> All right. Is this okay? okay? Folks, we're in a marriage. We got to press. I believe, I, I'm going to just go where I feel led in the Holy Ghost. Can I do that? Thank you. I believe that every relationship you have, no matter who it is or what it is or where it is, you try to strengthen that if it's godly. You try to make that better. If I called this guy's name, he became uh, pretty, pretty well famous in our world, and so I will not call his name right now. Some of you know the story, but there was a time there was somebody that you would know that's made it to the big screen, made it to a lot of big places, knows a lot of big people. His daddy called me one time. He said, hey, Rusty. I said, yeah. He said, would you help my son learn your business? I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I'll just pay you. I'll just give you some money. Take him to work with you. He didn't go to college. He's a great guy. He's been through a failed marriage. He's hurting things. He's hurting. He's struggling. And would you just help him? I said, absolutely. I'd help him. I started taking this guy to work with me. Just showing him. How to buy a car, how to fix it, how to clean it up, how to sell it, how to do business. Got him involved with, it, with my dealer's license where he could buy a car and learn some stuff. Well, we went to a sale one time in, in, in Louisiana. He came all the way over there to be with me and went to a sale. And we were walking out and these two guys from Jamaica walked up and the way I know that is they told me that and, and I could tell by their accent. They, they walked up and they said, hey man, Amen. Well you, well, you sell the car. And I said, uh, well, yeah, we're going to sell it. We're gonna, we, you know, we just bought it for about $2,000. we are going to fix that little dent on the back that nobody else wants to mess with and sell it for about $3,500. And that's still going to be below market, and that would be gone before the end of the week. And the guy said, I'll give you $200 for the paperwork. And that dude said, we'll take it. I said, are you ignorant? And they held me to it. They said, he made a deal. He made a deal. Give me the paperwork. Hand took $200 bills and he hands me one of them. I said, first of all, this ain't your business. From now on, you keep your mouth shut. You came here on my ride, my money, my license. Somebody's trying to get you going because you don't know how to do nothing. You don't make deals for me when you don't know. I'm in this to make money, not a tip. $40 back then to get to Louisiana. Hey, somebody needs to hear me right now. Don't sell yourself short of what you can have in this great glory. Don't stop at every single rest area to see if there's something there for you. There's not. You've got a destination to get to. And you get on this road called holiness, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, spiritual baptism, and you go, and you never look back, and you never slow down, and you be the best-looking bride you can be. 
Men don't like to hear preaching like that because we don't like to consider ourselves a bride, especially in 2023 with the way that society is going. But I'm going to tell you, I'm putting a message together right now about how we are supposed to, to treat our spouse. And I'll just tell you this much of the message. We teach everybody around us how to treat theirs by how we treat ours. Oh, well, I don't even know if I can get back to that. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Everybody in the race runs, but only one is first place. So run that ye may obtain and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we run to obtain an incorruptible crown. We're not running for something that rust and mildew and water is going to destroy and that the worms are going to eat up. We are running for something that will never fade away. It's called eternity where there's walls of jasper and streets of gold and gates of pearl and no more crying and no more tears and no more sorrow and no more sickness, no more COVID, no more cancer, no more AIDS, no more sickness. Woo. I wish somebody just stand right now and just help me. Just, just, just stand right now and praise the Lord. What are you doing? I'm running. I'm pressing. Verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just beating the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What he said, I got to keep this flesh. If this flesh is pleased, the spirit's probably not. Tell you something. I haven't been one turned. I I can honestly say this. I, I can say this from the bottom of my heart. I can look at a pretty woman and say she's a pretty woman. And that's it. The Lord's given me. That's a blessing. I know men that struggle with all kinds of things. From pornography to just the the plain old lust of the flesh. I thank the Lord. It's a testimony of mine. It is not one of the struggles I have ever had to deal with in my entire life. I can look and say, Lord did good on that one. But I'm trying to please this one. And if the enemy was to get a hold of my mind, my flesh would want to please everything that looks good that walks by. And if I escaped the Cajun, the king would kill me. (laughs) But if I was always pleasing this flesh, I will guarantee you the spirit of me the spirit that lives within me would no longer be living within me because you cannot serve both. 
takes strict training. Strict training. I've heard people say, oh, I was raised in a strict home. You know why? Somebody wants you to make it to heaven. Oh, they might have been a little overbearing. They might have been strong. They might have taught you overly hard. There may be some things that absolutely are not heaven and hell issues. But why do we want to ride that razor's edge to see? I have people all the time, Pastor, I'm doing pretty good, but there's just one thing. Do you think that's a heaven and hell issue? Well, there's probably something going on because you're asking about it. Something's causing you to not believe it's okay already. It may be all right for somebody else, but it may not be okay for you. And then beyond that, why would you want to make it to heaven and struggle all the way or worse yet, be lost having almost made it? I would be wasting 30 years of good deeds and love and caring for other people and walking away from dinner to tend to somebody else and coming home for, from vacations to tend to a funeral or someone that I love. And, and I love it. It's my calling. It's my drive. I'm proud. Holy Ghost proud to be able to say, yesterday I ate a cold Brahms burger because of a 40-minute phone call. My wife was finished folded up and put in the trash and she sat there and she said to me, no, and that what was going to happen? She said, your burger's going to be cold when you get done. Am I bragging about it? No, I love it. It's my calling. It's my heart. It's where I'm at. Pastor, I don't mean to call you and disturb you. Why? If you're disturbing me, I'll tell you and you won't be offended because you're a big boy and girl. I'll just say, hey, you know, whatever. I'll call you back in 10. And then 30 minutes later, you'll probably call again because somebody else would call. But in any event, it's okay. But how much time would you waste what you've done for God? How much money would you waste? How many miles from your car would you waste? How many donations would you waste? How many days working at the church would you waste? To get to judgment and be lost over a razor's edge decision. What a fool we would be. Sister Beckham, since you're the only one I've asked to keep time, will you give me five more minutes? Okay. She said ten. She did. She said ten. She saw, she said, brother, brother, brother Beckham, I don't know how you've done it. Must be doing something right. She's a good catch. I want Jesus Christ to tell me, well done. I got it. I want him to tell me, well done. I want my wife to tell me she loves me. I want her to tell me she don't care how fat I get. I want her to tell me. I, I want her to. I, yes. Period. I want to hear Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. And then take that eternal nail-scarred hand and wipe the tears away from my eyes. One study says that that wipe removes our tear ducts. We will not have the ability to shed a tear once he wipes our eyes. Woo! 
Living a holy life demands all of our energy. All of our energy. We can forget the past. When you're doing right and someone wrongs you, you can walk on. When somebody accuses you, you can walk on. It hadn't been a long, long, long time ago. Somebody just told a blatant lie about me. Just maybe they were mistaken. God forgive me. Maybe they thought it was me. And I wanted so bad to lash out. I just, oh, I just. And the Lord said, I got this. You just do you like I've called you. Oh, so what am I going to do? Am I going to go to church offended? Lord, no. I'm going to church bothered? No. I'm going to church with my head down? No. I'm going to church wondering? What about this? What about this? No. I didn't come for that. I came for that. I came for this. That's the big picture. Let me finish right here. First Timothy. Come on, singers. First Timothy 4, 7. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. This is Paul again writing for the second time to his young follower, assistant pastor. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. One of the ways you can know that you really are ready to the best of your knowledge. Watch. This gets deep right here and I'm done right here. Is if you can really pray the prayer. Come Lord Jesus. Come. I've talked to people before and said. I got a problem with that prayer. When you can get to a point to where you can really. And the Bible said in the end of time people will pray. I'm on social media with a lot of pastors from all over the world. All, all, literally, the world. More outside of North America than in North America. And I see the prayer all the time. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. You know what that lets me know about that person? They truly believe they are ready. If you can pray that prayer, and you've done everything you know to do, and you can have that prayer in your heart. That's a pretty good indicator that you're living where you're supposed to be living. Well, what if I'm deceived? The Lord's not going to let you just be deceived. He's going to tell you there's more. He's always going to lead you past the altar to the baptistry. From the baptistry to the infilling of the Holy Ghost. From the infilling to a new walk. To a new talk. To a new, I, gotta, I gotta quit. Let's stay. We gotta press a continual, steady pursuit 
of the goal. Here's my question. As I get ready to sing, is there anybody in this building, center, saint, visitor, I don't think there's any visitors in here tonight. Is there anybody that would just like to take a few more steps in your journey, signifying those steps by a few steps to the altar, just a few more steps, pressing, y'all just sing when you're ready, just walking on.